and welcome to the Metrospective presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. I'm Ted Berg, joined as always by the Athletics Mets beat writer Tim Britton. And Tim, I looked up Pyrrhus, the the Greek guy, um, and I learned, first of all, that uh, while there is one famed Pyrrhic victory after which he gave his... his you know, the supposed quote about uh, how he could not bear to, to defeat the Romans on sport. He actually had a, a bunch of victories like that where he where he lost tons of soldiers and still won <laughs> wars. Um, and even after that, and I think this is the bright side here, he was so successful that he was still in demand and people would just, like Sicily, just said, like, do you want to come be our king because we know you can you can win wars? And, and he would occasionally get offers like that. So... Uh, I guess the the point I'm hoping to make is that maybe the Pyrrhic victory for the Mets yesterday isn't uh, only devastating because it, it's it's tough when the team's playing so well and the Mets have won five in a row as we record this Monday night. Uh, and and Jacob Degrom we know has had this this lat injury, and then you see him tense up on the mound and call the catcher out and have to leave the game clearly not happy uh, it's hard to feel good about five straight wins then first off you made me th- imagine like the idea of pyrrhus going town to town uh in ancient rome giving like ted talks about what like, he I learned can, i from- can beat the romans i can beat the romans like what do you need like i'm that's my deal i can't promise you'll make it but i'll survive for a while Here- and then eventually he died in battle Here's how you can beat the Romans in your everyday life. Right. Um, with with DeGrom, yeah. Like, certainly, uh, you know, he had looked so good the first four innings of that game. Uh, you know, I think the way, you know, we've had four no-hitters in Major League Baseball so far. Five, really, if you count Madison Bumgarner's seven-inning no-hitter, which is the was the regulation game, so it should count. Uh that whenever DeGrom takes the mound, you're just kind of waiting for it to all come together for him on one of these outings because he goes through stretches in games where he looks unhittable. Uh, and so, you know, once he got through the second inning, I think it was like the first time all season he got through the second inning without giving up a base runner. You're like, oh, maybe this is it. Maybe he just maybe just need to get through the second. Uh, and then, you know, didn't look as good in the fifth and then coming out for the sixth, uh, called the catcher. You know, it was, I, I think, the reason to be encouraged is uh, there was nothing alarming on the MRI. The Mets said it came back clean. I know, uh, you know, Buster Olney said basically if you're putting him on the IL, that means the MRI didn't come back clean. I think we can agree that uh, any major league pitcher who gets an MRI probably does not have a fully clean MRI. Like I, yeah, once- look, I, I don't even, I'm not even 100% sure what that means. You know, like because he's got to have. There's got to be like some sort of inflammation somewhere. I, I don't know if he's if he's hurt. Some, something's in there, right? I don't know. Like I don't I, know what I, you can see on an MRI. Like what? Well, maybe there's some series of body parts that you can't look at. I don't. I don't really know. I threw six innings from a 60, 60 foot six inch mound uh, in like two thousand eight or two thousand nine. The only time in my life I have pitched. From that distance, I probably threw like 130 pitches. It's pretty impressive uh, and, that you got through six innings if you hadn't ever done that before. Right, yeah. like, And I, you know, I, I felt like for a rec baseball game, just with friends from high school, essentially, uh, I only gave up five runs in those six innings. Uh, so I was pretty proud of myself considering I throw yeah, not, roughly not... 52 miles an hour. Uh, 
But, uh, you know, I had to go to like physical therapy several years later because my shoulder uh, was not right. Uh, and ever since then, like I can't throw more than like 10 pitches. Uh, so pitching is not meant to be good for you. Uh, and so, you know, DeGrom's not going to have a, a pristine MRI ever again in his life, probably. Uh, but there's no structural well, that's damage. That's a depressing way of putting that, but go on. <laughs> uh none of us will though really i mean i'm at the i know that i am at the age when if i hurt something like if i now if i sprain my ankle that means my ankle will hurt for the rest of my life and that's just (laughs) that's what happens but i hope but degrom's in good shape and he's a strapping young man i think he's gonna he'll have some clean mris yet yeah i mean we've had he's we've seen him go through this in the past and in the recent past you go back to spring of 2018 he had the back tightness that basically prevented him from starting on opening day uh, in, in spring training of that year. And then he came back and had the best season of his career, a, a 1-7 ERA and won the Cy Young. In uh, 2020 last year, he had uh, some tightness in spring training, more back tightness in spring training. And then again, during the season on a couple of instances, which is why he probably didn't pitch as deep into games. Uh, and they, the Mets didn't push him as aggressively starting him every every fifth day like they could have. Uh, so we, this has been like this is within the realm of injuries that he has had in the past, and he has mm-hmm. always re- rebounded from them. That being said, you know he's he's 32 going on 33. Eventually, one of these will be the injury he does not fully rebound from. I don't think it's you know there's really no reason to believe it's this one. Um, that the Mets should probably be more cautious about it now than they were just last week because it's it's two instances of it rather than just mm-hmm. one. So. You know, that's why they put him on the injured list. That's why it'll be at least 10 days before he starts, maybe even a little bit longer just to get all of that out. You want to be sure with it uh, when it when it's Jacob deGrom. Uh, but, you know, it's not a shoulder. It's not a shoulder. It's not an elbow. Uh, it's backs are notoriously finicky, uh, as as most people know. Uh, but it, you would still prefer to have, you know, kind of the, the broad back soreness, lat soreness, rather than something, uh, you know, forearm tightness or something in a shoulder for a, a major league starting pitcher. Right. And, and you know, we joke about the, the clean MRI, but I would suppose I would take that to mean, you know, there's no herniated discs, there's no torn ligaments, you know, like whatever is bothering him is, I would guess, likely muscular. And so something that would, that could be relieved in time and, and with, uh, you know, all of the advanced medical knowledge that, that the Mets training staff undoubtedly has. Um, and so, yeah, hopefully we'll see DeGrom back sooner than later. I think it's almost a, a positive sign. I don't know. I don't know how to how to read it. Because if, if you want to bang the Mets, you could say, why did they let him pitch when he his right lat had just been bothering him? Um, I don't think it's a stretch at all to assume that whatever this issue is, is related to pitching through whatever the last issue is. Uh, I can't say that for certain, but that would be, that would be a reasonable guess, I think. And so you can say, well, why should he should he never should have started on Sunday. They should have held him back longer. But I think you can say now at the same time, Hey, at least they like pulled the trigger, put him on the DL, didn't try to like see if test it and see if he could, you know, just, just take a week off and throw a couple more times and, and take your time, you know, don't take your time because they need Jacob to come back, but uh, make sure you do this right. Right, come back when you're gonna be able to throw into the seventh inning on that game. Right, and like he he wasn't able to have his typical between starts routine before mm-hmm. the last start, you know, before the Sunday start against Arizona. Yeah, I wondered uh, about that. He, yeah, he usually 
has his two bullpens. Uh, and so I think if you're like plotting it out and saying, you know, might, might he come back on May 21st would be the earliest he could start for them uh, in Miami. Uh, if he were to come back by then, you would like to know by basically May 16th, which is when he would start that kind of in-between starts routine uh, so that uh, everything is kind of clicking into place before that. Uh, you know, if, if I don't think you want him just playing catch one day, playing catch two days before that, uh, throwing a, bull, a side session that day and then rolling into the start like that the way they did this last time. I think you, because it happened again, you've got to be a little bit more cautious uh, this time around to make sure that uh, you don't have to put him back on the IL after just a, a five-inning start or something like that. The good aspect of Sunday's win, I suppose, uh, you know, while overshadowed by DeGrom's early exit, the bullpen again with a with a really solid performance this time they allowed one run but uh edwin diaz came in to relieve jacob barnes once he got in trouble and and got a five out save this this unit that we were so worried about earlier in the season seems to be gelling a little bit yeah i mean it's really outside of opening day the the bullpen has been really good uh and it's not just you know the, the back end, like Miguel Castro, Trevor May, Edwin Diaz, those guys have all been really good. Uh, May and Diaz in particular of late. Castro had the one hiccup where he gave up three runs, I think against Philadelphia. Uh, but you've got Jerry's Familia looks as good as he has in a long time. And it's not like the results are there for him, but he also, it's it's a, you know, you can see that he looks better and more confident and is, is pounding the strike zone in a way we really haven't seen since he was traded to Oakland in 2018. Uh, and maybe even before that point. Uh, and then Jacob Barnes, you know, gave up the home run the other day, but but has been pretty good uh, outside of that. Uh, Aaron Loop has, has, I don't believe, given up an earned run yet. Um, Tommy Hunter was was good in uh, his Tommy Hunter's back great. to back, back yeah. to back. Yeah, yeah, he threw two innings in back to back days and and didn't allow any runs. That's a, that's huge. Had a great quote about wanting to stay in the game because he had his no hitter going after the first inning. Uh, he, is a, like, he is a delight, Tommy Hunter. People, uh, if he if he pitches well with the Mets, I think Mets fans are going to love him. And and you know even the, like those, I remember uh, when the you know writing in the offseason about whether the Mets should tender Robert Gazelman a contract that ha- like pointing out how bad those up and down guys that the that Triple A to MLB shuttle had been for the Mets the last several years, where like the guys they were bringing up were pitching to an eight or nine ERA over the course of of a season. And those guys, you know, the, I mean, Gazelman's been up the, the whole season, but the Gazelmans, the the Tommy Hunters, the Sean Reed Foley's, uh, those guys have all pitched really well for them so far mm-hmm. this year. Uh, and that's, that allows you to, in, in you know, you don't have to rely too much on your back end guys all the time. You can get through a game like Sunday where you stretch only one of them uh, in Diaz. Uh, and then you can, you can swallow up some shorter starts. You can win a game where David Peterson goes one, doesn't survive the second inning. You can win uh, when you're, employing essentially an opener uh, for, for Joey Lucchese or Jordan Yamamoto. Uh, and we'll see that strategy probably stressed uh, until DeGrom is back, uh, until DeGrom and, and Carlos Carrasco and Noah Syndergaard are all back. Uh, the Mets will probably be using uh, that opener and that, that bullpen game strategy a bit more often. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, and we we speak of the Mets winning ways, and it seems pretty obvious what's going on here, uh, which is some sort of magic attached. And and look, you can point out that it wasn't exactly the timeline doesn't add up. The Mets have won five games in a row entering play on Tuesday, and they had won two already when um, either a rat or a raccoon supposedly graced the tunnel outside of the uh, of their of the the dugout in City Field uh leading to some sort of heated debate I understand between Francisco Lindor and Jeff McNeil who just so happened to uh, exchange tense glances earlier in the game over a miscommunication on a ground ball uh, but but no they were not fighting over that they were debating whether or not they saw a rat uh, whether Lindor claims he saw a rat McNeil said he saw a raccoon uh, it, it was apparently got heated enough to draw the attention of several of their teammates. And now the Mets keep winning games. So is this some sort of totem for them to rally around? You know, so, sometimes I wonder if all Major League Baseball teams are just shells designed to sell T-shirts. Uh, yeah. And the Mets in the last I mean, they, days, definitely, they definitely are, but go on. <laughs> the, the Mets in the last 10 days between uh, concocting a fictional hitting coach named Donnie Stevenson, who Ken Rosenthal did the digging on to, uh, to, to, to unearth that, yes, it was Pete Alonzo in costume, as I think most Mets fans <laughs> probably assumed right. uh, all the way through. Um, you know, they, they're Donnie Stevenson t-shirts. There's the idea that they're going, you know, because they're going back to the black uniforms, eventually uh, there's a lot more black, <laughs> black t-shirts for the Mets with, with the old graphics. Uh, and now I, I assume, I'm surprised actually I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I have That it, that it wasn't there seen. on Saturday and Sunday for, for like the players wearing it. Uh, but oh, I assume right. on, on Tuesday there might be a player or two in some sort of raccoon uh, t-shirt uh, because they, they make those quick. Uh, but yeah, the uh, one I saw, someone I think someone someone called both of our attention to it on Twitter was it was like one that the it was like a, a fake it was like a road jersey with raccoons and then there was a home jersey with rats and so you had to pick if you it was rats or raccoons. <laughs> so it was clever. Um, I I don't think I mean so like to to be real about it. How do you feel? So this clearly didn't happen, right? Well, clearly, I mean, I think it's like they almost it's almost like they said without saying what happened here, right? Like we assume McNeil and Lindor as professional athletes and competitors got a little heated. Their teammates came and settled them down and they decided, like, let's not make a thing out of this. We can instead make this stupid story up about a rat and a raccoon like let's roll with that instead and so they are 
it's like they're telling the truth, right? Like it, the story, the lie sort of signifies the truth, which is like, yeah, this thing happened. And guess what? Like, we're not going to make a public thing out of it. So this is like the alternative to them saying like, well, that stuff stays inside the clubhouse, which is what like a hundred years worth of baseball history would, would point them to do. And so I guess as a reporter, like how does, how do you take that, that like they're, they're going to come out to the, press conference and and sort of like give you this like winky untruth that is actually like a pretty colorful story that does illustrate a lot about the 2021 Mets yeah like I you know I I wasn't at the game on Friday uh I was I was actually having dinner with my in-laws when I tried to explain like what was going on why my phone was pinging <laughs> like oh it appears that uh the Mets saw some sort of rat or raccoon in the tunnel I don't know um try to explain baseball in those terms to your in-laws. So, you know, had I been at the Zoom press conference when this is, when Francisco Lindor is telling the story, uh, clearly, you know, there's some, there's some winking on his part and there's some eye rolling on the part uh, of the media. You know, this is, this is another one of those stories where it'd be helpful to be in the clubhouse to to, to gauge the reaction of like his teammates in real Mm -hmm. time to something like that. Uh, whether that was, you know, just him on his own or, or choreographed uh, among others beforehand, you know, it's it's a singular incident. So it's it's there's not enough there. And, it, and clearly, you know, that the t- there's been no tension, uh, at least noticeable between the two of them since then. And, and Lindor came out the next half inning and hit a, a game tying home run. Um, there, there's you know, it, it's one thing. It's not a you're not going to try to make too much out of one event like that um you know certainly if we reach a point later in the season uh where there are are regular tense glances between the two of them or regular miscommunications uh you can point back to this as the first instance of that but we're not there yet you know baseball is about analyzing reams and reams of data and events uh you don't want to read too much into any one um and this this one is not it's not like there was an actual punch or anything as far as we know uh so i don't i don't think there's too much to make out of it now um but you know as a it it would be a lot easier as a reporter to confidently say that if we were in the clubhouse and you could see what that interaction is like you know for instance like i know that jeff mcneil uh and pete alonzo and michael conforto and dominic smith and jd davis like that is a, a group that uh bonds has bonded together in the clubhouse that they they talk in the clubhouse they sit around uh in chairs together in the clubhouse i don't know if francisco lindor is part of that group uh they've said that he has worked his way uh, you know, he's been a, a, a nice clubhouse presence uh, that he feels like part of the team. It's been seamless. You know, those are things you would say regardless, I think, as, as teammates. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know what that integration is like for him uh, in the clubhouse in his first season with the Mets. And so it's harder for me to, to gauge whether this is something or nothing. At the point, I'm leaning towards nothing. But then again, you know, I covered the 2011 Red Sox with the fried chicken and beer in the clubhouse. Uh, and that that was something eventually, you know? Right. Uh, so you never know when this, if what it, what starts out as nothing becomes something. As it yeah. Were. I would, I would hope that the fact they would both be on board with making up this rat or raccoon story and, and running with it to me, that almost suggests that they put it behind them, right? That they were that like, they're both going to play ball here and go with like, let's just say this rat or raccoon thing that we got rather than like grumble in any sort of way about the other guy. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's the opti- optimistic side of me, but I would say like, if you can make it that silly that quickly, 
then probably you're over it. Yeah, like it, it you know, because what was that? The middle of the seventh inning, uh, and then the, the game ended yeah. in, in nine. So they, it seemed like they were relatively. They won the, and they won the game. They won the yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, so, and like, that's, that's a, yeah, and that's a that's a key part of it. You know, is that they won that game and they won the next two. Uh, mm-hmm. And and Lindor in particular had his best stretch of this is in the midst of his best stretch of the season as an offensive player, uh, and that makes it a lot easier for these things to happen. You know, if the Mets are in the midst of a nine-game losing streak and that happens, uh, it it definitely registers on a different scale. I will say one thing that makes me skeptical of Lindor's account or Lindor's concern about a New York rat, and maybe it's just that like he's heard legends of New York rats, but I happen to know that that. Francisco Lindor spent a lot of spent a, a some time around Wrigley Field in in 2016, and when Wrigley Field was undergoing that that renovation, uh, which it was during the the postseason, like it was still they had renovated part of it, but there's still parts of of the the outside of the stadium that were being renovated. Uh, that construction work just kicked up a ton of rats, and there were some huge rats. Uh, walking around near near Wrigley Field at, at that time, and so I would say that Lindor has already, if he does, if he knows it or not, like he's not, he's going to be disappointed when he sees the our relatively pedestrian, albeit uh, numerous, New York City Rats. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, and maybe you are more of an expert on them than I am. Uh, I've never seen a rat that I would confuse with a raccoon. Raccoons no. are the things that that always surprise me with their size. They're yeah. always bigger than you expect. Tons um, of you know what I I run in Central Park now early. There are tons of raccoons. Like you see, like and it's a, they're a little unnerving. They don't they don't seem scared at all. They 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 will just like very slowly walk in front of your path. Uh, like they are not concerned that you're gonna stomp on them. I guess because they have very sharp claws. Yeah, that, that is one of those animals that goes from cute to menacing very quickly mm-hmm. as you grow up and actually encounter them in, in, in real life. Uh, yeah, it is. It, and uh, and it, it is not something you would expect to see walking around a baseball stadium. And, and I would say like, City, I, City Field is pretty clean. Like, and, and so that was one of the things I thought when I heard that was like that there is like some like City Field operations and maintenance guy somewhere who is who is watching that press conference like no 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 bro no (laughs) there there aren't lots of i mean i i've never seen rats running around city field shea stadium sure you know but but no like it's pretty clean um it's new still i I don't know i mean i'm i'm sure there's enough food service going on there that i'm sure there are rats um we we, we saw we, we saw by the way the mets the city field scoreboard acknowledged the the rat and raccoon thing uh, on Saturday night, how long does the winning streak have to get uh, before you've got like some sort of rally raccoon uh, on the scoreboard? Some some animated oh, thing yeah. dancing around. Does it does it start Tuesday if they're down in the seventh inning, or does it have to be next home stand? Uh, I think you got to make it to like a seven game winning, right? Like I think you got to win. They got to win two more before it's like this is now a full blown thing. And that's the thing, right? Is there's always. Every team now, it feels like they they settle on something that's going to be their rally thing. Like I remember, like the Royals dumping barbecue sauce on each other like several years ago. It just became a thing, and uh, I, I don't know. So like, if this is their thing, great. It's a this ratter raccoon deal. I I like it. There there are still salt and pepper t shirts that uh, that I'm sure there are Mets players still wearing from the start of the 2018. Right. 2018 yeah. was that? Yeah, 2018 season. Um. Yeah, it's 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 what it's you know it's a long season, and sometimes players need something 
to entertain themselves. I will say if Francisco Lindor is looking to see New York City rats, on the Upper West Side, there is a rat colony that has been referred to uh, as the Burning Man of Rats. And I saw it one time and it was the most like, so it is this just, I guess, giant, giant, like thousands deep posse of rats that moves around on the Upper West Side. Oh, I was walking down. It was with um, my now wife when she was my girlfriend and lived in, lived in the neighborhood. We were walking down a, st- a street and I saw a garbage can that sort of started shaking. And I was like, what's going on in that garbage can? And then the garbage can tipped over and the it was like the Willard, like the movie Willard. There were just rats like everywhere, just scattered all, like they were suddenly just running all over the street. Uh, and that was the day that I found out that I can run faster than my wife. <laughs> <laughs> what a date night that was for yeah. you too. Because I ditched her. I, it was like every man for himself, every, every person for themselves at that point. And uh, I got away from the rats a little faster. And you hold it over her to this day, I'm sure. Uh, no, she, she, she holds it over me to this day. Um, she would point out that I also have a higher pitch screen. Uh, we got a question uh, from, from a listener. This is from Nick. And he wants to know, what are your thoughts on the new baseball and its impact on Mets players specifically? Not all teams are struggling to hit, but it seems... Every season, the league has to calibrate to new circumstances, making it difficult for us to evaluate players and results. Could we infer, for example, that the resurgence of Jerry's Familia may be the flip side to James McCann's regression? P.S. How might the front office continue to add depth to adapt to these potential new circumstances? Yeah, I mean, I I think when when we talk about, like, offense being different and potentially because of the ball, you know, the the league OPS right now... uh, Across base across the majors uh, is 702. Last year it was 740. There are you know, but last year you had a designated hitter across all 30 teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go back to let, let me look up the National League specifically. Uh, in 2019, the National League OPS uh, was 753, uh, and so far this year it is 701. So that is a, a 50 point drop. That's that's a pretty substantial drop. Uh, in OPS in two years. The the thing I, I'm looking at the entire 2019 season. I'm sure if you looked at at through May 10th uh, that the the OPS would be lower because it generally you know the ball travels better in uh, the warm weather. And I believe you know it's still down from the usual April and early May, but it's maybe not as stark as a full season of data. Uh, I don't think uh, you know. I I think it ha- it is some of the Mets' lack of power has been attributable to that, uh, but. Off the top of my head, there's not too many examples of fly balls that off the bat I felt were going to leave the yard and didn't. Uh, in fact, like Jonathan VR's opposite field home run uh, in St. Louis uh, was an example of a ball that I really didn't think was going to leave the yard and did uh, and left it pretty easily. Um, so, I, you know, there's still some instances where it goes the other way. Uh, I don't think you can attribute... Uh, you know, McCann's hitting a lot of balls on the ground. He's, it's not like James McCann has hit a bunch of fly balls to the warning track. Uh, and Jerry Smith is not giving up a lot of fly balls to the warning track. I don't think those two players specifically are guys that I would mention as struggling because of the new ball. Uh, you know, th- and really there, there's no Mets that I think are, are struggling specifically because of that. I think it's, it's more, it has been more of an approach thing 
than anything else uh, with them so far. Yeah, from what I've read, and so uh, there's a series of good articles on it, uh, or interesting articles on it. Uh, uh, good, they're also good. Good and interesting articles on it on Fangraphs that I read um, with recent data, looking at looking at uh, you know across years at what's happening this year, um, and citing other research too. And it seems like there's uh, some evidence that the ball is a little bit like bouncier but not flying as far so the exit velocities are actually up um but but balls hit in the air are more often outs than than they have balls that had been homers in in the past many are now dying in the outfield um and so there is a there does seem to be some like the ball's doing something um and maybe maybe in time it will turn out that the ball favors certain type of hitters i would contest that if that's true major league hitters are good enough to make that adjustment and and try to make themselves the the other type of hitter um and also that you know guys who do hit home runs when pete alonso gets into one it doesn't matter if it's the new ball like it's just gonna go out um and so you know i, I think it'll it'll mostly be the ball probably docking everyone equally, um, cutting out home runs from everyone across the board. But I could say conclusively that it is too soon to say that it is right. It is just way too soon to say this ball is doing something to James McCann or this ball is is helping Therese Familia. Therese Familia has thrown nine and two thirds innings this season. <laughs> one time, one time, Phil Humber threw a perfect game. Uh, right, like it's just there's just no way you can say that that's anything but a, a small sample to date. So uh, it's an interesting question. It's a good one to think about. But I would say pump the brakes on conclusions or anything you can do to adjust to this. Um, like sing the song. Sing the song. It's small sample size, small sample sample size, etc. Uh, yeah, I, 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 it's late at night or it's not late at night, but it's, it's time that my wife is across the hall trying to put my children to bed. So I don't want to, I don't want to rile them up by, by really taking deep breaths, but that's, that's what's going on here. It's a small sample size. Um, maybe next week I'll go, I'll, I'll really stretch out the pipes. Yeah. Like, I think this is one of those, you've got to get into, uh, some warmer weather, uh, whether mm-hmm. and, and even maybe on the road, you know, the Mets are going to to Atlanta and Miami relatively soon. Uh, Tampa doesn't really count because it's indoors. Uh, where you get kind of more of an atmospheric effect too uh, in warmer weather to see if if the ball starts jumping a little bit more than it has uh, in the colder weather that they've played in in the Northeast to this point. Well, Miami is indoors too, right? They never they almost never open the roof. You know, I actually haven't checked what they've been doing this year if they've been more apt to open it because they, they go through stretches. I feel like. Under the new ownership, they've opened it more, but it's huh. been you know I had you know that, I don't know what it was like po- last that's year. Certain, so that's certainly possible. Um, I because I, I I know that that has been a point of criticism in the past. Like, why don't they open the roof more often? It's nice outside today, but it's Miami, so it's always going to rain in a half hour. Um, yeah, I I yeah, but yeah, let's see let's see how the Mets are doing. See what the stat lines look like across the board in another month when we get to Memorial Day and we can say, and even then it'll be too soon to say the ball is having an effect on anybody. We're going to need the whole season's worth of data for that one. That's like just the sad truth, I think. Yeah. So, you know, hold tight. We'll get back. We'll get back to you in Yeah. Uh, so, in yeah. So, yeah, hit pause on that. And we'll, we got an IOU, Nick, for an answer. If you have a question for the Metrospective, please 
uh, email us. You can get at, at us at, I'm at asktedberg at gmail.com. Or you can, you can ask on Twitter. Tim is at Tim Britton. I am at OG Ted Berg. We will be back later in the week with another show, uh, perhaps another animal debate to break down, and ideally some more Mets victories. Tim, thank you, and peace out. It's a Dark Knight appearance to break down. That's the what we'll have to do. hey So bats entering into the, <laughs> the equation. Maybe on both sides. Adios. <laughs> <laughs>